We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. and drops back, throws the marching pass upfield, Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run, and races all the way to score for Los Angeles, a 72-yard touchdown play. First down, inside his own five from his own end zone, sacked in a safety on Rudolph, Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Back steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partners in crime, former LA Rams offensive back Michael Stewart and Tommy Yvonne. So we're here to talk Rams football as they head into the weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. And of course, we have some, <laughs> some conversation to have about the Thursday games, which were, shall I say, a bit interesting. First things first. Tommy, how was it Thanksgiving? It was good, man. Um, for the first time in my life, um, we didn't cook. So as you guys know, um, last week, myself and my five-year-old son had surgeries um, the same week, which was which was tough. So we decided this year to not cook. So we ordered um, a Thanksgiving feast from Mimi's Cafe. And I told um, my wife, I said, this is either going to go really well or really bad, but we're going to find out nonetheless. Now, I want to give a shout out to Mimi's Cafe because, boy, was the food really good. I mean, we were all absolutely impressed. Um, We had to do a, a few adjustments. Like, they didn't give us very much gravy, so we made some more. Um to you know circumvent that situation and then the green bean casserole was a little lackluster so i did my thing and doctored it up like most people hate green bean casserole i know how to make it really good because i've adjusted the recipe to make it taste good so that's kind of what i did yesterday but nonetheless it was a hit and it worked out and we didn't have to cook so it was great you just had to 
get everything and reheat it. They give you reheating instructions for everything. And they also, um, they don't cook the turkey all the way. They cook it around 80% and then they vacuum pack it and give it to you. So we put it in our roaster oven, reheated it, bro. It was so juicy and delicious. It worked out, man. Shout out to Mimi's. Y'all did a great job. So I just want to point this out. As you're saying shout out to Mimi's, you're also saying, well, the green bean casserole really wasn't all that good. And I had to doctor it up. And then you're also saying something else. It's like, I don't understand this, Tommy. You seem to be really critical about people you're saying did a great job. Can you clarify it, sir? Well, listen, I've been cooking since I was (laughs) seven years old, and I'll put my skills up against anybody. Having said that. it was about it was about ninety five percent. I just took the I took it over the top. If that makes sense, there's things that there's every recipe my family has changed over the years. If you want to make pumpkin pie from scratch, you come talk to me. I will give you our adjusted version of the Libby's. Libby's is a company that makes the canned pumpkin um, extract that you use to make pumpkin pie. We've adjusted that recipe to make pumpkin pie taste better than it ever has by using less sugar and more evaporated milk. Interesting. Nice. Interesting. So, got, of course, I, I, got skills, I had to dude. start the podcast at giving Tommy some crap because it's what we do after a holiday around here. Yeah. yeah. Mike, <laughs> Mike, how on earth was your holiday? Man, my holiday was outstanding. I'm with Tom, man. I'm setting new precedents. Uh, did not cook. My family, most of them went down to our old stomping grounds in the T.O. and hung out with the family. I got to hang back here at the crib and do yard work all day until my heart was content. Had me some leftover lasagna, threw on me some Dateline, and man, I had a nice day, evening, and now that's what I'm ready to go today. So, uh, shout out to not having to clean up a bunch of dishes and stay up all night making pies and everything else that goes with the Thursday meal. But uh, it was a great day overall. So, man, I'm happy to, to be here with you guys on this Friday. Dude, no wonder you're in such a good mood. You got to be <laughs> solo and do and do yard work. And, and if anybody, listen, my grandpa handed me the lawnmower when I was about six and there said this to me. He said this to me. Do you think we had you kids so we can keep doing everything around here? Get to work, boy. Get to work. (laughs) So I actually enjoy yard work. So you got to do yard work, which is therapy. And it can be if you look at it the right way. Eat lasagna and be in the the company of your own self. No wonder you're in such a good mood this morning, my friend. (laughs) Just trying to understand, though. That's the exact opposite, though. I thought the whole point of Thanksgiving was to be with family and give thanks for being family and, and tear up an awesome turkey and pie and all that jazz. And you're like, yo, my Thanksgiving is lasagna and being alone in the yard i mean granted i'm i love my yard mike you know how ridiculous i am about my yard but right right really really okay can i I back off let me piggyback off of that for one second you you got zoom you got facetime you got (laughs) all the legitimate uh marco polo so man we got it in with i got to check in with all the fam the friends and everyone so yeah man it was a good day Okay, before Derek gets into his Thanksgiving, I got to piggyback <laughs> off of what he just said. Okay, let me explain something to you, Derek. I see people, every, I watch the news every week before Thanksgiving, and I see people 
torturing themselves, spending torturing. thousands of dollars going to LAX, going to whatever airport they live to right. next, just to get on a plane and spend thousands of dollars to be around people they moved away from in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm with you, Mike. Shout out to everyone who doesn't get on a plane and torture themselves <laughs> and go be with their family that pissed them off so much when they were going up that they got they moved 3,000 miles away and they never looked back. Well, I made the turkey in my family. It was kind of a joint effort. I actually know my wife got all the parts ready and all the little mixtures together and her kind of witch's brew. And then, you know, so then different people did stuff. And throughout the day, it was me just bouncing up and down between the kitchen and and watching the game. And as I'm picking on Mike about it, I actually spent a lot of days solo since I'm the only person in the house who really watches football. And so I'm downstairs in the basement every 30 minutes, going upstairs, the base, the turkey, so on and so forth. And in the meantime, everybody else upstairs playing games and so on and so forth. But I am a, I'm on, on Thursday, I'm a football guy and I'm not going to deviate from that. And, you know, so that's what I did. Overall, the turkey came out pretty good. Came out really good, actually. And we ended the night watching the Seahawks get smashed. 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 So. That was the day. wasn't too bad. wasn't too bad at all. Kind of lazy, but I'll take it. Anyways, let's, let's let's talk some Rams football here. This weekend they have the Cardinals. Before we even get into the game, here's a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so here we are. Rams, Cardinals, Cardinals under this game at two and eight. Rams at four and six. The Cardinals, since Kyler Murray's been back, do not look like a two and eight team. The Rams right now at four and six. Well, I think they look like a four and six team. This is in Arizona. This is a Cardinals team that's coming out playing hard. I, during our predictions, at least for Tommy and I, we both felt the Cardinals would win this game. Now we're there. Cooper Cup's questionable as of this recording. Just had a practice on, I believe, Thursday where he didn't actually participate during. He was actually 
running routes afterwards. Hey, guys, how are we feeling about this game now? I know Tommy, you and I again said we we, we thought the Cars will win this game. But uh, there's some buzz, at least on Rams Twitter, that the Rams could make a run here. Uh, start with you. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Mike because we haven't heard his take on this game yet. We kind of talked about it on a little on the episode, but I, I want to give Mike's perspective first on this. Well, I thank you for that handoff, sir. Tommy, uh, my take on it is simply this. At this time of year, you usually have either something you're playing for or something you're looking forward to all season. So at this point, Kyler Murray, he, he has a little bit, I would assume, a chip on his shoulder. He wants to show everybody that, look, you guys thought I was down and out. They put me out there that I don't, you know, get my playbook and I'm just at home playing around. Well, I got something to prove. Uh, he also wants to prove that, hey, I, I am a leader. Guys will get behind me. So you have that part of it where they're in, I would say, rally mode. The Rams are in the same thing of they got to kind of get out of the way of themselves. But the thing is, you have the same leadership top down. How do you get out of the way, way of yourself when you're kind of getting used to the same old thing? Hey, we do it this way, we do it that way. You know, the same old speeches after the game, yada, yada, yada. So how do we do that? Now, we all have agreed that the young guys seem to be holding up their end. We have some questions on some of the veteran leadership, with the exception of Aaron Donald. That being the case, I'm giving the nod to the Cardinals only because for a while they've had the Rams number. These games go back to the mental thing. Coaches, players, and then the overall scope of things. You know, if we beat you every year, man, we coming out here, we're going to beat you. If you beat us, we got you got lucky. So the Cardinals kind of have, I think, a little bit of upper hand where they, they beat the Rams a number of times, with the exception of a little bit more recently. So, again, I'm going to give the nod to the Cardinals in the sense of they may have a little bit more to prove and they'll rally behind their guy to try to prove a point. And so this is typically we'll call it somewhat a trap game. trap game. It's not a trap game in the sense that it's not like they're playing the dead broke brothers, but it's a trap game in the sense of I think the Rams may come out thinking, ah, oh, their quarterback is just getting back. We're the Rams. We're going to get them. I'm going to swing it back to you now, Tom. Well. <clears throat> I'm looking at the football database and the history versus the Rams and the Cardinals. And since McVay has been our coach, wow. I mean, they haven't stood a chance against us since 2017. Let's see. I'm just going to count. I'm just going to count their wins because that's how many times we've beaten them since 2017. All right. One, two, three. They've beaten the Rams three times since 2017 and we play them twice a year. So we absolutely have their number. Now, having said that, I don't think we have their number this Sunday. Unfortunately, I've watched that team closely. 
this season, because I always watch our division opponents closely, it's what you everyone should be doing. Because you got to size them up. We play them all twice a year. They're they're you know they're the important games. And what I've seen from Arizona this year, even without Kyler Murray, is they want to fight. They look tough. They look mean, and they look like they want to play football. With Kyler Murray, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire from what I've seen. Now, they didn't win the last game, but they absolutely had opportunities to do so and be 2-0 since Kyler Murray has gotten back. Um, They're just getting better each week. I mean, they're finally starting to get the rookie pass rusher on the field from LSU, B.J. Ojolari. And in the last four games, he has three sacks, and he is just pressuring the quarterbacks left and right. So look for him and Zayvon Collins to really tee off on our offensive line. And their interior defensive line is no slouch led by a player that I drafted to be a Ram, Leaky Foku. Okay, he's not 100% right now, but um, he's trying to get him in this game. He's a tough dude in the middle that's good at you know, stuffing holes, blocking the run. Both of these teams are good at um, running the ball right now. So they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to, each team is going to try to establish the run to set up the pass. Or one of the coaches is going to get cute and try to do the opposite. Okay. Start throwing the ball to set up the run. Uh, not a fan of that, but it is what it is. But I, I could see a coach doing that if you know what i mean i just hope that people don't try to get cute and we should um we just have to play tough guys at the end of the day we have to match their intensity because if we don't we're taking an l um what do you think derek i think it's been a close game i think all the points you're making are, are good points i do look at it as though the rams actually do have more to play for the cardinals at I am incorrect. I said two and eight. They're two and nine. They they're they're not going to go anywhere. It's, it's for pride. It's for you know, you know, Kyle Murray having the chip on his shoulder, trying to prove who he is. But overall, they're better off from a from a general manager point of view in terms of just let this play out and head in the offseason with high draft pick. NFL players don't think that way, but I think there's just more mentally to play for for the Rams. So I think it'll be closer. Um, than what it probably should be. I think the Rams have a lot of things going for them in terms of getting guys back healthy. Cooper Cup, to me, I, I think he'll play. It doesn't seem that big a deal. I just, I think in the long run, this could be a good thing for them because it's going to force them to go back to what was getting them somewhere that was Puka Nakua, splitting these routes up instead of just hammering home in one place. I, I am concerned about that Cardinal pass rush against this Rams offensive line. The Rams have not blocked well up front. No, the, the people are on, and including us, we, we've been on Matt Stafford a bit in terms of regression, and we might be seeing that. But honestly, we haven't been seeing a whole lot of good pass protection as well. And the Cardinals do get after it. So if the Rams get some pass protection up there, I think they'll be all right. So I'm still, I'm still leaning towards that Cardinal win, but it's not going to be close. I mean, it's not, I mean, so not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be one of these games where um, it's over by the third quarter, I think this is going to be a fight all the way through, and it would not surprise me the Rams when the Rams get, have more to play for. I'm curious as to how Kyler Murray attacks that Rams secondary. 
I am very curious about that. So that, that's how I'm looking at it. By the way, Tyron Williams is expected to be back. So I guess the question for you guys is how much of a workload do you think he'll see? Mike? A lot. A lot. <laughs> right away. Th- <laughs> throw him to the wolves, right? Throw him in. Hey, if, he, if you say you're ready, you're ready, bro. I'm, I'm putting you back in. I'm not going to coddle you. You good to go? All right, let's go. We're going to work today. And Roy, him and Royce Freeman, who I'm a big fan of, dude, that, that guy looks like an NFL running back. I mean, he is jacked. He runs hard. He's running for paychecks. We all know that. Like, he didn't have yeah. a job. We brought him in. So the guys that are playing for paychecks, those are the guys you feed the ball to. The guys that already got the fat paycheck and, and you're feeding them the ball and they're pissing all over it, man, don't give them nothing. I don't care how much money they're making. That's not like, that's why I like the old school coaches. And Bill Parcells, you know, would always get on the microphone and drop zingers on the media constantly. Right, he would right. say things. He would say things like, um, how am I going to win yeah, this? I think this was when he was the coach of the Cowboys and him and Jerry would get into it because Jerry thinks he knows everything and, and drafts all the players. And then so he's like, how am I going to do my thing if you ask me to cook the dinner, but you ain't letting me shop for the damn groceries? You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm a coach, like I'm going to have input on my personnel. Uh, you know, I just. Oh, man. It's frustrating that people are feeding guys based off of how much salary they make. Makes me sick. It's like, dude, I don't care how much money you pay. You make, if you're not going to play hard, I'm not going to give you the ball. It's as simple as that. I'm going to give the ball to the guys who want to eat. And those Kyron and, and, and Royce, well, they want to eat. Listen, Hendo didn't have a job. We cut him last year. He, he got picked up by the Jags. They cut him and he hasn't had a job since. Until we, we, you know, the Rams do what they do best, which is recycle. They love to recycle. They don't want to throw nothing in the, in the black trash can. They want to throw everything in the blue one out front. You know what I'm saying? Like, they always recycle. They're always going to bring back Troy Reader. They're always going to bring back Dando. They're always going to bring back some dude that they cut in the first place, which makes me sick. Look, if you don't like them, get rid of them. Don't bring them back because you already know what they can and cannot do. It makes no sense. And when Hendo got released again, nobody, hey, guess what? Nobody picked him up on waivers. Shocker. And then he ends up back on our practice squad. Come on, man. Feed the two beasts in the backfield. Don't let Tyler Higby touch the ball. And let's go. Man, the world has turned on, on Tyler Higby. He's suspect. Man. Tyler Shitby is his new name. On that, Mike, your thoughts? <laughs> You're on mute, aren't you? Mike's, Mike's got his mic up phone. He's, he's laughing in the background because I called him that other shit. Me. <laughs> That's what's going on. You can laugh on. You can laugh on the show, man. You don't have to. You don't have to mute it for that. All right. Oh man, that was funny, man. You suck, man, yo. Well, it's just interesting, you know, getting back to what I was going to say earlier, we all, you know, and I was very blessed and fortunate to to play, you know, 10 years and, you know, seven with the Vaughn and Rams. And uh, to me, with one of the best running backs to ever do it, Eric Dickerson, and I saw a clip on, uh, I think it was Twitter this morning or Instagram, where they showed him getting it 
big game in a playoff game, but a guy had highlights of him just, and I'm like, yeah, that dude was legit. But point being, uh, that era and probably the era before me, going back to the, you know, OJ, Jim Browns, and those guys played really for the love of the game. And so to me, what we're just seeing is this transition is because there's so much money the guys, even on the practice squad, hey, man, you mean you get to go to practice and then you don't even play. You just go watch the game and you get paid a nice a nice salary for that now. Uh, so when we look at these guys who we go, wow, this dude has size, speed, the ability. You saw him play super hard in college and get to the NFL and you kind of start going on coast mode. That, to me, separates teams who win year in and year out than the teams that are one-hit wonders, and you might only see them every 10, 15 years. So that's the thing I, I, I see with, unfortunately, our Rams. you got some guys that you named already, Tommy, who want to eat, and then you've got some guys who are just, you know, they're sitting at the dinner table, you know, waiting for dessert. They want someone else to do all the work. And then they just want to ride the wave on in. So I, I just wish we could somehow, whether it's coaches, call it old school, whatever you want to call it, could get guys to just show up every every week. Dude, Mike, real quick, before we hand it off to Derek, because you brought up practice squad, answer this for me. It, I heard that in today's practice squad, that the players on the practice squad get paid $7,000 a week to be on the practice squad. Can you confirm or deny that? And if it's true, can I sign up to be a tackling dummy? Because seven grand a week, what's up? <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> can you confirm that, Mike? Do you know? Your mic, you're on mute. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, it's a little more than that. It's up to almost eleven thousand per week, my man. Ooh! So sign me up, yo. I'm in. You know. What's up, Hendo? You want to go heads up with an old man? I'll give you all you can handle for eleven G's a week. You know what I mean? So again, when you're looking at the ability, and I always said, even getting to the NFL, you know, in my first year, I was due to make sixty-six strike year. We made, I made like thirty-two. But coming out of college, that was real money. You coming off a seven hundred a month uh, scholarship check, man? What? I'm getting triple that. So even that money was was good money. So when you're talking about coming out of college, getting your first job, and you can go make eleven grand a week, I'm gonna say regardless of what you say, oh, that's all you making? No, that's a lot of dough bread. That's a lot of oh, dough bread. That's for a college. lot of money. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, and, and then you have guys that don't even take advantage of that. Showing up late, not really practicing. You get cut from the practice squad. That means you just you just being lazy, you know. So, uh, Dude, that's a half a million dollars. I just did the math. It's $572,000 to be on the practice squad if you were, if you were to get paid 52 weeks at 11K. Now, I don't know how that this is all paid out or how it works. Um, well, it's paid out over I, 17. Paid oh, out so over, 17. over 17 weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Let's yeah, do that. So, <laughs> but still, man, you know, you're making, you know. 187K. Easy. 
bro, that's more, that's more than I make. And, and you're only getting, you're only working 17 weeks and then working out the rest of the year and staying in shape. Yeah. That's sweet, dude. With a chance to get to the big salary and make the 53. So yeah, man. Uh, and it's going up every year. Uh, it'll be 12, 12,000 basically this year, 12, five next year, 13, 2025. So, uh, with the new CBA, it's increasing, you know, every year. So, you know, minimum salary again, uh, you know, for veteran is, you know, more like 16 a week, but nevertheless, bottom line is, yeah, kick back to Derek guys are making some good money just to practice, show up. And, you know, <laughs> as you say, scout team guys, Ooh, that's nice. That's, that's nice. That's nice money. And you get to say you're an NFL player. How about that? I got nothing for that, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Derek's ready. Um, Derek's ready to be a tackling dummy too. (laughs) Like, think of the teacher's salary at a Catholic school. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, geez, oh, Pete. Anyways, back to the game. One more matchup I want to talk about because, well, it's there. The Traditionally, the Cardinals, the one way the Rams have really gotten at the Cardinals, one, one of the reasons that, that Sean McVay's been so successful against the Cardinals in his tenure is the ability to get after Cardinals quarterbacks. This Rams front seven, getting after Kyler Murray in particular in the past has been successful. So one area I want to look at for this game is can the Rams and will the Rams get enough pressure on him? Because when they have in the past, they, that's how they've beaten him. It's when they've been able to get to him. How are you looking at this game in terms of pass rush in the trenches, uh, given some of the Rams' limitations, but also emergence, the emergence of certain talents as well? Starting with you, Mike. Well, it's, it's like anything. You know, I'm, I'm at this point, again, of the season, are, are looking at what are guys going out there to do. Back in my day, you had the threat of every day it was always, hey, don't forget the final cut is never made. So guys were literally going out and practice, trying to keep a job during the week, then trying to show up on Sunday. If you're just a special team guy, you better go out there and show something else. They you come in on Monday, your stuff is gone. So at this point, yeah, you can look at the trenches, you can look at the numbers, and we got that guy, he got this guy, and so on and so forth. This game is going to come down to at the end of the day, who wants it more? And I've always said it's a 11 man team sport with the 11 man individual battles per play. So if you're winning your battles per play, you're D tackle, man, you dominating that OT or the guard. If you're nose tackle, you're killing the center. If you're the center, you're stopping the nose. You know what I mean? So if you're a running back, man, you pick up any blister coming, it doesn't matter, linebacker, safety, whoever's coming, you will get dealt with. So To me, it kind of comes down to the individual 11 people doing their job each play. So we'll see. Who wants more? Is it the people in the trenches, O-line? They want it more. Does the D-line want it more? Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, I just think it comes down to the basics that we don't need to go over, you know, no penalties, blah, 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 blah. And the same crap that coaches talk about every week when they have a microphone in front of their face. We get it, dudes. 
But at the end of the day, it's all about who wants it more. And Kyler Murray has something to prove because everyone, like you said earlier, Mike, everyone's been running and gunning on him in the media over the years because, you know, he cares more about Call of Duty than he does his playbook. And um, maybe at the time that was true. Um, Mike, Michael Vick, let's we can even go back and use him as, as an example. Mike Vick yeah, admitted yeah. years later after he was retired. Right. That he didn't study at all when he was a Falcon. Everything he did that we watched that was so special was just Mike Vick. Now, he regrets it at, at this point in time in his life. And he's admitted that. And I, I love that about him, that he can show humility after every mistake he's made in life on and off the fields and turn his life around and, and all of that. Um, but, yeah, he admitted it. He's like, if I would have done what he was supposed to do and be in the film room like guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were, we might've been able to see the greatest quarterback of all time in Mike Vick. And it's unfortunate that we did not because boy, was he fun to watch. I mean, I remember watching the Rams who had no business being in the playoffs in Oh four against the Atlanta Falcons in the divisional round. And they just laid the wood on us, man. It was, I mean, the, the the first, you know, Couple couple minutes of the game, you know, Kevin, I believe it was Kevin Curtis scored a touchdown. Everyone's all excited. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a 60-minute football game. I'm I'm ready to be disappointed. That's how much of a Mike Vick fan I was and how much I was a fan of the way they built that team with the running game. Um, Yeah, they laid the beating on us. So going back to that and using that as an example, um, I see Kyler Murray fighting for his job because he knows – that there's quarterbacks in that draft, this draft that could steal his job. And Arizona has never been shy about eating cap when they make a mistake or just drafting another quarterback like they did with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray back-to-back drafts in the first round. They drafted Rosen. He was a dud. One year later, they had the number one pick. They took Kyler Murray. They don't care. That franchise has guts enough to say, hey, we screwed up. We're going to try again. Just like Detroit did when they drafted a wide receiver like seven years in a row. Until they got Calvin Johnson. Now, they never would have had Megatron if they gave up, right? Um, Kyler Murray's fighting for his job at the end of the day. And he's going to play. We're going to get the best version of him on Sunday. So, we better be ready for it. Because, boy, messing up his knee last year or not, boy, does his knees look good. I mean, you guys watching this stuff? He's running around like a wild man. Yeah. that's And that's why I though his play coming back immediately is like he's an inventor. But I do want to push back a little bit. On the the comparison with Michael Vick, uh, I know you didn't mean it this way, but I'm gonna clarify as well. Uh, where I'm not saying I don't think anybody's saying that Kyler Murray was, was Michael Michael Vick. Why don't we Hell like, no! Man. If anybody was even insinuating that in my conversation, I'm gonna get you in a headlock. Yeah, don't so, don't ever don't um, do that. <laughs> peak Mike, I mean, Michael Vick. You can go back. Give me to, a break. But, I mean, this guy took Virginia Tech to a title game, and this guy turned the Atlanta Falcons into an automatic playoff contender. They Michael Vick was legitimately a star in the making ahead of his time. If you look at all the running quarterbacks we have today, you can base it. The benchmark I believe is Michael Vick. And I think before Michael Vick, we could, we could talk about Randall Cunningham and so on and so forth, but the benchmark became Michael Vick as a, as a what you could do. That's how, special he was and that's how tragic his career was because it was all there for him 
to become one of the greatest of all time. And I still look back and think about, you know, on the field. I want we're not I'm not gonna even touch on the off the field stuff. I know that's where people will go. They'll immediately when they hear this part of the conversation, they're gonna go back, well, the pit bulls and stuff like that. Listen, I'm just talking about on the field. I'm not talking we're not about, about we're not we're not talking about that at all. Um, that we just won't. But you know that's where the conversation will inevitably go because that's how passionate some people are are about it. I just want to point out that I'm just talking about on the field what he was and could have been. That's how special he was. And he was. That's the tragedy of all of it was what he could have been compared to what he is. And that's where the comparison came in for me. It was the lack of film study that that held Mike Vick back of possibly being the greatest QB of all time, where Kyler Murray was also not studying and we're not getting the best version of him. There is no correlation whatsoever in my comparison with talent because it's not even close. I want to add some of this. What you guys are saying, and again, you guys, I don't know how monumental the statements you both are making in regards to what Mike Vick could have been. Now, I'm telling you, I've got a chance to play against Randall Cumming, earlier version of Mike Vick. I say to this day, when we beat them in 89, the only reason why we beat them is because Randall Cunningham bought into this thing of he needed to be a pocket quarterback for whatever reason, our game. And then it was right before the half. He's like, man, let me get back to what I do. Took him right down and scored. Came back to the second half. I'm like, oh, man, we about to be in trouble. But he went back to that. I'm going to stay in the pocket mode. And then we were just able to get to him that day. Uh, some different things. But the point you guys are making about Mike Vick, let's just put it like this. We can say on the field that dude, like you said, Derek, probably the standard bearer all across the We talk about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady as being those guys that are in the film room. But if you look at it just compared to compare, you could go, yeah, man, those guys not even really in his league. That tells you if he put a little bit of time into like study and film and actually being prepared to actually go into a game and just be able to go, man, let me see what they're doing on this at the NFL level and to do some of the things he did. That That's just unbelievable. When I heard that, he said, yeah, I didn't really do any studying. I'm like, that's crazy to know how good that dude. And he had an old school coach in Dan Reeves. Uh, who who kind of I guess let him do his thing. I, he tried to, you know, keep him on a straight and narrow, but you just can't make someone do stuff. But the monumental piece is the fact that he was able to do that with little to no film study is just crazy to think about. Yep, and you made a good point, um, Mike. You played in the NFL era where coaches, scouts, and GMs basically tried to fit a square peg into a round hole and those days are dead the nfl has evolved into we're going to draft players and we're going to coach them to their strengths we're not going to try to make them something they're not because we're seeing the nfl for the first time instead of saying because the college is the nfl's farm system straight up and down i don't care what anybody says it is and you're taking that farm system and you're going, we are the NFL and you guys are going to learn how to play football the way we play football, even though college coaches is completely different. 
you're seeing NFL coaches now starting to adapt to the college game because they, if they don't, you're going to continue to draft bus because they were never bust in the first place. You made them a bust because you're a dummy. Right. right okay. Right. It's as simple as that. And they're yeah. not doing that no more because you got these younger coaches like Mike McDaniel in, 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 that went to Yale and is smarter than everybody else on the field. I don't care. He's the smartest coach in the NFL. It's not close. All right. And his demeanor is even better. I'm a huge fan. Right. Right. He just Listen, I love Sean Bay, but he graduated from Miami of Ohio. Calm down. Wouldn't call him a genius. Now, yeah. Mike McDaniel was over there using his players to their strengths. And that's what every coach should be doing. Do not try to change someone because you're only going to create a problem and a mess. Um, that's my observation on all that versus the NFL you grew up in and the NFL that is today. I stopped playing quarterback and moved to safety as a sophomore in high school because I was told five foot 11 quarterbacks with small hands will never play in the NFL. And you may never even play in college. Let's be honest. Quarterbacks back then were six foot four, 220 pounds, and they stood in the pocket and delivered the ball. That's what yep. they did. And I wasn't six foot four and 200 pounds and I had tiny hands. Thanks to my dad. Thanks pop. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my hands to this day, when I shake another grown man's hand, they're like, my, I'm sorry for you, brother. <laughs> like it's like shaking a child's hand. It sucks, dude, but it is what it is. And so I moved to safety and you don't need big hands and to be six foot four to play safety. You can be five foot 11, 205 and lay yeah. the wood and be smarter than everyone else on the fields so you can literally pick the ball off like nothing. I mean, when you play quarterback first and then you move to safety, it's like taking candy from a baby. When I went up to varsity, I had 11 interceptions So because I was able to bait and switch with my hips and tell yeah. the quarterback where to throw the ball. I mean, I would outsmart those quarterbacks every single time I was on the field. It was, and it was because I was a quarterback that I was able to flip that script and become great at defense. But Point being, small hands, five foot eleven, and now fast forward to twenty twenty three, the number one pick in the draft is five foot eleven, one hundred and ninety five pounds. Wow, times have changed, gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, quick question, quick question. Who is the current brother truth team or brothers in the NFL that you would say are pretty dominant? Um, they both play defense. Bosa's. The Bosa. Now, when you well, one's take out them, for a year now, we think. Well, he may be out, but but before that, when you look at as Tommy's saying, letting guys come, do you think they're coaching them? No, they go, hey man, just go line up over there and go do what you do, and they just <laughs> go do what they do. <laughs> right? I'm not. Some people don't need to be coached, man. Some people don't need to be coached. So to your point, Tommy, yeah, man, you don't bring guys like that into the NFL and go, nah, man, we're going to make you a two-gapper. No, man, <laughs> just go let them do what they do. That's all you got to do. Yeah, man. Yeah, we do this. We do this drill and you show them on it. Yeah, man, just go do what you do. That's all you got to to do. So as much as guru defensive coordinators and old coordinators want to go, yeah, it's me, it's me. No, man, you let certain guys just go do what you do. It. I mean, there's a reason why I became a coach. I started coaching in 2018, um, youth football, seven through nine year olds. And uh, not, I, I didn't only just coach them on the game of football. I coached them on how to be better people, which their parents were very happy about 
I would make them bring their report cards to practice. And if you didn't have good grades, you didn't play the game. Straight up and down, bro. I'm not going to have low character, lazy anyone on my team. And, and if you don't start hammering these kids at that age, they're just going to grow up to be piles, right? So That's it's it. all about teaching character and, and decency and manners as much as it is football. If you're coaching kids and you're screaming at them, and, and you're, you're a piece of trash, in my opinion. You have no business being on the field. You got emotional issues that you need to work out with a psychiatrist. And I've seen it. The coach at Southgate High School where the boy that I've coached since he was seven, who is now the starting defensive end as a sophomore on varsity for an 0-10 team last season. Their coach is a pile. All he did all season long was scream at the kids and beat down their confidence. Every time he yelled at the quarterback, he got worse. I mean, this guy just doesn't get it. I mean, he, the parents are calling him from being fired, and they want me to take the job. I'm not taking the job full-time because I have a five-year-old who I'm not trying to be away from all the time, but I am starting a coaching clinic or I'm going to offer my services to any level of football through youth and high school that wants my services to come out and do some clinics, teach some um, alternative coaching techniques and playing techniques to these guys and help them get their programs over the top without neglecting my own son. So that's kind of where I'm at with that right now. But yeah, there's a there's a reason why I became a coach because smart people with good temperaments with young people should always be coaching and and to be honest with you I think I found my calling as my son ages maybe things will change um maybe I will coach a team that he plays for it just won't be tackle football because I don't want my son to play I know that sounds crazy but I don't want him to go through what I've gone through four surgeries in one year this year gentlemen not fun for me okay um, flag football it is. <laughs> flag football. Well, it's an Olympic sport now. Don't point that out. It is, and he's joining his first league in March, um, the Downey Flag Football Youth League. So I'm pretty excited about that. And maybe I will be one of the coaches. You probably. You probably. You know, it's, it's interesting to it when kids come into it. Like, I have two daughters, and I've had my students asking me, are you going to get back on coaching? And the answer has been no. And the reason why, father. Oh, I'd rather coach them in life than coach kids. No offense to kids. Thank you. You got it. Hey, you got to Listen, my dad wasn't around much growing up. He worked a lot. And uh, I made sure that when I became a father, that working or not, um, I would be there for my son. I work from home. I've worked from home since 2017. I was way ahead of the pandemic. I was just smart enough to understand that if you could do your job from a laptop and an internet connection, why should you have to drive two hours in traffic to sit in a cubicle? It's idiotic, it's stupid, and it's a waste of expense. So I started a movement at my company at the time, which is the top three telecom provider in the nation. You know who the top three companies are. I'm not going to tell you who it was. And uh, I started a movement, and I got all the employees on board, and I got... I would never work for those pieces of trash. <laughs> <laughs> so that eliminates Whoa. that, but I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> T-Mobile's trash. Whoa. Okay? <laughs> they ruin telecom, and I hope they go out of business. That's all I'm going to say about them. Don't ever wow. let them be a sponsor to our show. <laughs> I will quit. <laughs> That's how much I hate their guts. Wow. All right. Yeah, they're trash. And if you have T-Mobile, you better go put that crap away. Because uh, you're just part of the Mobile. you're part of the problem and you're not part of the solution. 
Okay. T-Mobile's the devil. They literally are. And they bought the other devil, which is Sprint. So wow. now there's only one there's only one throat to choke in telecom now. <laughs> they ruined the industry, and I'm not gonna get into why because this is a football show. <laughs> but point is, is I've been working from home for six years because I made it that way. And all my coworkers were thanking me. And I said, Well, if you guys had any stones, you would have brought this up a long time ago. But they're here. You're welcome. I did it for you. You know, and we only had to go to the office every Wednesday for in-person meetings and collaborations, which was fine for me. Um, but I've been working from home after I left that company, I've been working from home solid, um, since 2018. So way ahead of the pandemic, gentlemen. All right. So want to get into stuff in the NFL, this is going to be a long show today, very clearly because we're already at 46 minutes. I'm not even in the second segment. So we promised that I think because of the holidays, but before we do, we got to talk to you about one of our main sponsors and that is prize picks. They are the largest daily fan sports platform in the U.S. and North America, for that matter. The easiest, most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. And so instead of battling thousands of our players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. So you have to address a million two bullet points in terms of two games. All right? Two games. Minimum. And now with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So, for example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey had a 10.5-point combo with three points made plus receptions. If you nail that, you win. And if you want to play alongside some of our favorite prospect players like rapper Meek Mill or comedian Andrew Scholes, you can find them under the Community Plays tab, under the Start the Promos tab, of the app to view entries from some of the largest, the biggest names in the prize picks community, and it's every week. Finally, a lot of injuries of late. Guys going down, Joe Burrow, I Hughes, and several of my fantasy leagues kind of hurt my teams, not just kind of really did, especially with Jamar Chase. So having a reboot policy is pretty nice to have, and that's what prize picks offers, so that your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player, who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted, and the price picks is the only daily fan source platform with an injury insurance policy. So that's pretty sweet. Test your skills, folks. You can take 10 bucks, turn in 250 in just a few taps. Want this? Want to try it out? Go to pricepicks.com. Force us Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. One more time. Go to prices.com, forces Rams Talk. Use the code Rams Talk for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks. Daily Fan Sports made easy. Okay, guys. We'll be right back after these messages. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So here's the deal. We're looking at an NFC West now that is now in control by the 49ers, that dominant 31-13 win last night. They weren't perfect, but they continued the the annual, seemingly annual downfall of the Seahawks. You guys noticed that? The Seahawks every year, right around this time of year, fall apart. Yeah. Every year, without fail. It's weird. Is it? There's one common denominator, in my opinion. What's that? Pete Carroll. He's the only every year. Something's up. Why can't you hold your team together the entire year? Just want to raise that question. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard. You know what it is too? Eh, I don't don't like to hammer coaches or this or that, but it's hard to figure out especially with coaching, like when they say, oh, this guy was one of the greatest coaches of all time. And then you go back and you look at, and I like to analyze everything. I don't like to pick on people, but that's just how my brain works. And you look at some of the stuff and then you go, were they, or were their teams just so good that they really didn't have to do much? I mean, go back to, you can go back to, you know, all the years of the Patriots with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You know, those teams, those rosters weren't always loaded. They were pretty suspect. But the one common denominator was Tom Brady. You get rid of Tom Brady and what has Bill Belichick been since him? And then he's also the GM and he drafts like absolute hot garbage. He couldn't draft a wide receiver if his life depended on it. I'm just saying, are we giving some of these people too much credit um, in life? Are they are they really geniuses? Are they really that amazing? Or are they just a product of circumstance? Um, look at Pete Carroll and the Legion of Boom and drafting in that whole team, not just the Legion of Boom, but the whole team. And then drafting Russell Wilson in the third round, signing Matt Flynn from Green Bay to an extension he never even really deserved. And then Russell Wilson in camp just stealing his job and never looking back. And that team was just straight fire because of the way that they were using Russell. Russell is not going to carry your team but he can sure get you out of a pinch if you use him in the play action game. And that's what they did. And they had, you know, a team around him to show that they can win and including a running back. That was one of my favorite of all time. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, not just on the field, but off the field. I love that man. I think he's hilarious. He's cut from the same cloth as me he has no filter. A lot of people that don't like me probably don't like guys like Marshawn Lynch either. Cause I say what I say. I say it with my full chest. And I'm honest, and not everybody likes that. Um, but it is what it is. But yes, I, I agree, um, Derek, that sometimes people can be masked by the greatness that is surrounding them. And you're probably right about it. What about you, Mike? Are you sorry about Mike? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But again, You're on mute, Mike. 
How did you go? Did you, oh, I'm tripping. What did Man, you do? Y'all, y'all got me. Mike didn't have his coffee today, bro. Y'all got me. <laughs> no, the, the problem is I did have some coffee. Oh, uh, you didn't have enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a fun show today. I love it. I, how you doing, audience? You digging? You digging this today already? Hey, <laughs> I definitely. Uh, I'm with it, but I, I just go back to. It takes players to quote unquote make good coaches. Yes, do coaches kind of motivate you? I think I played for one of the all time great coaches and coach Jim Sweeney at Fresno State. He was able to get guys from all walks of life, all places around the country to come together and sing Bulldog Pride songs like you never, like you were never going to ever leave Fresno. And to this day, all of us who played together, we are as tight as, you know, peanut butter and jelly. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, there's something going on that how does Geno Smith come out of nowhere, play so well last year, even in the talks and maybe MVP kind of come back this year? Now, again, we all know they get a little more tape on you. They figure out how to stop you. But that's the thing about sports you're supposed to be able to adjust and counter you know adjust and counter adjust until you can get the upper hand but it just it just seems like yeah with pete every year something slips away and at the end of the day man there's something up with the whole russell wilson and what happened you know something they're leaving some stuff out you can't have a guy who's (laughs) Who well, there's smoke, good? there's fire, Mike. You know yeah, that. They're, they're leaving something out. Was it because, you know, Sierra and him are married? And, you know, he's like starting to realize, like, yeah, this is just football. I'm not living here. I'm going to start preparing for my life after. I don't know. But the way all that went down, it just something doesn't make sense to, like you said, Tommy, why would you? Get Matt Flynn, who was literally a perennial backup at the time, had a couple good games. Like, why would you pay a guy like that all that money? I, you know, I don't get it. That's why I don't respect. Like, that's why when people are on Twitter telling me who I am, like, who do you think you are telling these NFL GMs or coaches what they should be doing or how to think? Well, bro, I grew up watching this trash of these, <laughs> right. these GMs panicking. And trying to to hold on to their jobs and, and appease the fan bases by just making a move to keep them quiet for a minute. Because right. as soon as Matt Flynn was assigned to his, an extension, the Seahawks fans lost their minds. They were like, yes, we got a quarterback. Right. And I was just laughing like, bro, no, you don't. <laughs> no. It's the same guy. It's just These fools like- are geniuses, man. They're not. They're not. I mean, it's just kind of like they're trying to make Brock Purdy out to be the next Joe Montana. No, he's Brock Purdy. He got dudes around him. I mean, when I watch Debo Samuels, dude plays in another gear. When you watch IU, another gear. You got Christian McCaffrey. These dudes playing Kittle, another gear. I mean, come on, man. What what does he do? He throws a little dump pass and those guys go to work. Hey, I get it. Yeah, he's smart, man. I ain't, I'm not trying to, you know, no, man, I'm going to just give it to those guys. Get them the ball. Let them go to work. And yeah, I'm going to sit back here and look like I'm the next best thing to slice bread. But the thing is, yeah, Geno Smith, but again, the dude got hurt last game, came back in, 
drove him down against the Rams, almost wins. But you could tell the dude probably shouldn't be playing, but it shows it. Their backup guy, they're like, yeah, we can't go with him at all. Andrew so Gino, Locke, go yeah. out there and, and give us what you can. But now he's starting to look like same old Gino. He's going to get that label again when he probably shouldn't even be out there playing, seeing with the, the arm sleeve. So at the end of the day, I'm with you, Tom. These people get these titles, GM, professional scouting, this and that. And it's like, yeah, man, but what are you guys doing? Because some of these moves literally don't even make common sense. And yet you guys move and then you try to stick with it, except for the card. I love them. They're like, yeah, we we missed it. So what are your first pick, man? We're going to trade you, get something out of you. If we can't, if not, oh, well, moving on. So interesting stuff, man. So, yeah, well, I, I don't know where the greatest coach stuff comes in. You know, I mean, you look at Belichick now. It's like Belichick. You overstayed your welcome, bro. I, yeah, I want to get into live. that a little bit. I, I, you know, I want to get into a little bit here. A couple of things with Belichick. And I, I remember years ago, as part of one of our interviews, sat down with Frank Stam. You guys remember Frank Stams? Yeah, Frank A. And after he went to, after he was left the Rams, went to the Browns, played under Bill Belichick. And from the moment That's Bill right. Belichick walked in the room, the players were revolting against him and doing things to undermine him. And even, that, even so, he eventually built them into a winner. Then you now you flash forward here a little bit and you watch what Bill Belichick does in, in over twenty years. I know instantly you're thinking, well, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, but nonetheless, um, with some poor, some you know at first in in the Patriots organization, Scott Pioli and other people as well running the show. And eventually, you know Belichick kind of takes over. They did draft poorly. They did make several mistakes, and yet they held together great defense, so on and so forth. And you can't ignore that part. So I, I think. Bill Belichick is probably one of the better, one one of the greatest ever, but because he's human, he's flawed. And of course, as you get older, and some of those bell cows like a Tom Brady move on, you have to be able to adjust. And I would think the argument against Bill Belichick right now, things that are hurting him, and probably why he should have probably retired when when Tom Brady moved on, was now you're in a position in a new age of the NFL to try and hold it all together. And I think that's where his big failure is. And, you know, especially since he was never the best at drafting guys. That's that's bingo. You you nailed it. You walk off when Tom Brady leaves and your statue gets cemented in history forever. And that's what I would have done. But Bill Belichick's the kind of guy that has nothing going on outside of the NFL. He has no life. Okay, he's dedicated his whole life to this opinion. He's got his kid. He's got his kid on his staff just so he can hang out with his kid because there's no way. That he's leaving because he doesn't he doesn't want to go fishing. He doesn't want to live that life. He doesn't he's gonna get drug off the field or get fired. That's the way he's going out. Um, real quick before we move on to Detroit, because I don't want to lose this train of thought. Circle back real quick to the Niners. I want to make a good point. I cannot wait till Shanahan, Lynch, all those guys are gone from the 49ers organization so I could finally find out the truth. And I don't care what anybody says that they think they know who pulled the trigger on Trey Lance because nobody does. I don't care. There was, there was rumors coming out. Oh, Shanahan wants Mac Jones. Um, Kyle wants this Jed York and the, and the crew wants this. Okay. The fact of the matter is my brother who is a Niner fan, but is also very good at evaluating talent. He's also been scouting as long as I have. 
he wanted Justin Fields. And I was like, bro, I do. I cannot have that. Okay. I cannot have Justin Fields on the Niners because you take Justin Fields and put him in that super team. Everyone else that stands in front of them is a dead in the water. Okay. I need to know who drafted Trey Lance. I got to know who did that. And I guarantee it was not John Lynch. The guy that I modeled my game after and played hard and messed up my back and my neck in War 47 did not draft Trey Lance. There's no way. I'm not going to, until I hear it, I'm not. No, 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 John, John Lynch is too good of an executive to make that decision. I'm going to throw that out of the way. I'm going to go with you on that. And there's no way John Lynch did that. I also want to point this out as well. The Bears were completely botching Justin Fields, as we all knew they would. I just want to say that. Yep. I take Justin Fields, put him on the Falcons. You draft Caleb if you get that number one pick with Carolina and to the Bears. You trade Justin Fields to the Falcons, and you watch that Falcons offense eat with all those weapons in that top five offensive line. I I need to see that. Just for a football fan perspective. Given where the Bears are. Given where the Bears are, they're going to pick you know, very high in the draft this year. It would not stun me to see, you know, them pull off a trade with somebody going after Justin Fields. I would, I mean, to me, you build around Justin Fields with the Bears cannot, for the life of them, cannot develop a quarterback. Never been able to develop a quarterback. And you're killing that guy's career. How can you not? Because if you think about it, historically, it's not the same GMs and coaches in the building. It's, 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 it's just the building. Is the building cursed? Is the Chargers building curse? No matter who you take in these two franchises, and, and, and you could go even and you could add the Raiders to that too. You, no matter who you put in there, players or coaches, they never seem to. It's our curse is real, culture, Tommy. It's culture. It's gotta be. It just creeps me out. It well, me you out. you guys are hitting on it, and I don't know how no, much you guys know you're hitting on the head. Let's take a breakdown. Chicago, it's the Hollis legacy defense. Okay. Uh when you Mike Singletary. At, yeah. And so everything <laughs> like the defense and all that stuff. And so they still try to do it like that instead of, as you say, Tommy, at some point you have to move into what is this, the 21st century, and you got to do things a little bit differently. But you can't have a guy who shows you what he could do if you let him go to work until he just goes man why am i here he just has that look san diego the same thing they should have stayed their butts in san diego and and been the charges but it's the eric coriel they're trying to always somehow get back to eric coriel that was unique i mean you had dudes who could go get it john jefferson the rest of those guys uh, Kellen Winslow, you know, once in a lifetime tight end, he, the original true tight end to do it all. But again, San Diego, hey man, they're they're laid back down there. They like to part. So trust me, I kinda, know. You know how much time I spent down there going to Qualcomm and afterwards going to Gaslamp. I hate the NFL for ruining that experience for me. Thanks a lot, you moronic jerk offs. Yeah, I don't know why. They, why would you move to L.A.? I mean, come on, man. There's already too much. San Diego. No offense. I'm born and raised in L.A. And San Diego. <laughs> come on, man. That town is beautiful. Yeah. It's on the water. Know. That Petco Park is the greatest baseball field I've ever been to. I mean, bro, it is. Oh, that town is just full. You could have a Super Bowl there every four years, yo. Like yeah. you. The NFL has 
a license to print money and you cheap bastards want to share stadiums like the Giants and Jets and now right. the Rams and the Chargers because you want to put as much money in your greedy little pockets instead of build a stadium wherever San Diego lets you and say thank you. Idiots. So this is becoming a vent show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, bro. We're just bouncing. This episode, we go, we coming with it. Hey, you guys know me. You catch me in the morning. You get the, the best morning. version of me. You catch me <laughs> afternoon and you're getting the... <laughs> what did we say earlier? The limp biscuit. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking about the charge, and then yeah, they never show left. But you know, that was. We can get into that all day. Honestly, we don't have time for that. It all stuff. Co- basically, go- all these conversations correlate to the fact that the NFL can be boneheads no matter how rich they are. Simple as that. I, yeah. I'm going to go back real quick, and I'm going to go back to the Bears, and then I want to move on to, to Jared Goff and the Lions. The the Bears, I believe it's culture. I believe it's you know the this unwillingness to really, you know, to go after the mines. And, and there were a couple of guys like Matt Nagy, they brought him in initially successful and so on and so forth. But the guy who comes to mind is McDaniel. Can you imagine, can you imagine Justin Fields with Mike McDaniel? With the Bears? Away? God. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. And I like Tua, but wow. What if they, yeah. what if, what if the Bears had gone towards McDaniel and went and got him and, and and other than the Bears, I think, Phil, the Bears, they go get somebody. And, you know, one thing we could talk about Mike Tomlin and some of his flaws in Pittsburgh, but, but the Steelers are traditionally very, very patient. And for the most part, it always works out. And teams, they are not patient with the guys they bring in. So by the time, you know, things went all right under Matt, Matt Nagy, they just pushed him out in Chicago, they, and they never gave him the chance to fully see if he can fix what the problems were. And by the way, part of the problem is going out there and drafting a guy you had no business drafting. That's not Matt Nagy's fault. Now you have a chance with the Dolphins. Dolphins struggled last year with Mike McDaniel, and and there there are certainly even questions now, Mike McDaniel, because the Dolphins team can't seem to, to beat the guy the teams they need to beat. That they're they're just picking apart teams that they should beat. I think eventually, as he matures, that's gonna that's gonna be a problem solved. My point is this, franchises today tend not to be patient with, with certain coaches that they should be patient with, and then they wonder why they don't work out. They will hire an unorthodox guy, and then they won't stick by that unorthodox guy. The Bears 100% will, right, Derek. will just fire 100% somebody right. on, a, on a whim, and they, 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 maybe that's not the case. And maybe it should be the case of, you're patient with them and you give them the support they need to build what they need. If you're trying to change the culture in Chicago when you need to, Matt Nagy was a solid offensive coach and they didn't give him the personnel that he needed long-term to be successful. What do you Is he that guy overall who can be a head coach in the NFL? We'll never know because they just gave up on him. By the way, by the way, that is why I like Detroit long-term. Because you can tell they have their guy in Campbell, and they're doing everything they can to support him out there. And even if Jared Goff does not work out, which uh, we're about to talk about that, I think they'll do whatever they can to not push them out again. I think they know they found their guy, and they're going to stick with him. So moving to Detroit, and the reason why we're moving to Detroit is very simple. To this day, right now, to this day, the Rams fan base is, is split on golf. There is that 
side that will that will say, listen, the Rams made the right move. They got a Super Bowl out of it. Goff, it wasn't working out in L.A., and I'm in that camp, by the way. I'm pretty sure you guys are in that camp. There's another side that pretty much worshiped the ground that Jared Goff walks on, and that debate happens all the time on Rams social media, Facebook groups, on, on Twitter, so on and so forth. And yet the last two games for Detroit, all of those comments, all the reasons why Jared Goff was pushed out in L.A., they're there. They're there. That game is a game yesterday the, the Lions should have won. Three Jared Goff fumbles, and it's a loss. I'm going to throw this over to Tommy first. I know he's chomping. The base mentioned it twice. Tommy, what were you thinking as you watched that football game yesterday? Well, um, the last two games, not just that game, um, Jared Goff has been put in position um, to be Jared Goff in, in, in the bad version of him, in the version of him that I didn't want to draft. As a matter of fact, I mean, we've, we've talked about this for years. I never wanted to trade up in the draft for any quarterback. The reason it was done, it was a publicity stunt. Um, the Rams are moving back to L.A., they traded up to the number one pick to get a quarterback because they know people in Los Angeles don't like anything unless it's exciting. And that is exciting when you trade up to the number one pick and take quarterback. They did that for that reason. They weren't patient, in my opinion, because in that season, we still went four and 12 anyway, which doesn't matter. So um, I was thinking long term. I looked at, OK, what quarterbacks um, are available in 16? And 17 and 18, possibly, and so on and so forth. I looked at the quarterbacks that could possibly come out in 2017, and there was two that I liked more than Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. That was Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. You have to be patient with this kind of stuff because at the end of the day, you had a losing season anyway, and you went 4-12. and 12. You could have easily drafted at your original draft position in 2017. You could have had your pick of either quarterback, Watson or Patrick Mahomes. So you got to be patient with this stuff. I understand why they did what they did. Um, I wasn't interested in doing that. I didn't take the trade on paper. I kept the draft picks that we had without the trade, and I drafted a slew of superstars. Um, we won't get into that right now. I don't want to take up too much time, but Jer and we'll get it. We can get into that more when we get to draft season. But anyways, let's get back to Goff and why I didn't like him coming out in the draft because I saw a guy who did not like to be pressured and would get rattled at Cal. A lot of times he didn't get pressured because you know in college they don't know how to play defense for some reason. It's exhausting, but I don't know how that happens. But it's neither here nor there. So he's standing back there in in that air raid style of offense, just you know sitting back there in the shotgun and just picking apart the defense and he got better every year but i don't think he was good enough nor did i think um carson wentz was good enough to be the number one and to number two picks i just didn't and over the course of their history as playing in the nfl um i was right and jared goff is good he's just not good enough he's not going to win you super bowl he couldn't win it for us and he's not going to win it for detroit unfortunately which bums me out because I love the way that team is constructed. I'm a huge Dan Campbell fan. I love that most of their coordinators are former players. Aaron Glenn, defense coordinator, so on and so forth. 
I love it. I love the energy. I love everything about that team. They could have still won that game yesterday. That fake punt on their own 22 was the shift, and they got a Green Bay got a short field, scored another touchdown. Now, Green Bay didn't score another point after that. A lot of people aren't paying attention to that. If you don't, the defense shut them down at 29 that early in the game, and they had plenty of time to come back and win that game, and every opportunity to do so, they came back in the second half. They drove down the field. They ran the ball down their throat, which they should have been doing in the first place, and stopped getting cute. I don't know why they wanted to get cute on Green Bay, but they did, and it bit them in the butt, okay? Not just getting cute with the stupid fake punt, but with throwing the ball and throwing Jared Goff with the baby hands and the inability to tuck the ball. Dude has played 14 years of football. I don't know how much he played youth. Uh, Wiki doesn't go back that far. But what I can tell you is he played 14 seasons between high school, um, college, and the NFL to this day. He's in season 14 right now. And if you're in season 14 and you're still holding the ball up out there like a loaf of Wonder Bread and a dude is literally taking his finger and touching the ball and it falls out, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Everything that was wrong with him coming out of Cal that I didn't like, we've seen in the NFL. Okay? Sean McVay was coddling him with an earpiece in 2017 and 18. Until Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick colluded with each other when we were going to go into Detroit. And I guarantee Bill Belichick called Matt. By the way, I worked with Matt's brother at the telecom company I was talking to you guys about. He was one of the managers, uh, Tim Patricia. So I had a lot of inside information on what was going on in Detroit, what was going on with his brother. Uh, asked him about my theories. And he just smiled at me and said, what do you think? Okay. So I guarantee that was going on. These coaches clue with each other. He gave, he said, do this against Sean McVay. Because Bill Belichick had the foresight to, to, to say, there's a good chance I might be playing the Rams in the Super Bowl. And boy, was he right. And what did he do? And the very next week, Vic Fangio did the same thing. He just watched the tape of Detroit. Now, we ended up winning the Detroit game because of Todd Gurley started getting the ball in the second half, and they started feeding him, and he broke loose, and we got the W. But boy, those first three and a half quarters were looking ugly. All right. So point being, guys, Jared Goff is good. He ain't good enough. And it's sad. They drafted Hendon Hooker in the third round, who did not turn the ball over at Tennessee a lot. Okay. He did not. Eventually, he might get an opportunity. I don't think anytime soon. Jared Goff would probably have to get injured for him to get his opportunity or just play completely atrocious, which Jared really doesn't do. Um, too often, but we're starting to see the old Jared Goff and why he got traded to the Lions so we could get Matt Stafford and immediately win a Super Bowl that first year. Mike, my guys, my guys, thank you for the handoff. Now I'm gonna throw this at you real quick. Think about it real quick and then answer. Derek and Tommy. Each one of you, give me your top three quarterbacks in your mind of all time. Your top three. Derek. Go ahead, Derek. <laughs> My top three what? Quarterbacks. quarterbacks of all time. Top three quarterback. My my basically my Mount Rushmore is what you're asking. Yes. Oh, off the top of my head, this is not going to be easy, dude. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is like a podcast in itself. Can we can we give you an answer on the next episode? Because I got it really. Or you need this. to have that answer now. You're trying to make a point now. Well, you can. I'm gonna give you the top three, and I'm gonna give you the reason why. Mine is you gonna be short to and sweet. Give me yours. My three are easy, and it, these are guys I played against. 
Uh, I'm going to say it's Joe Montana, uh, Dan Moreno, and I'm going to throw Jim Kelly in. People go, oh, man, well, Tom, you know, I didn't play against Tom Brady. But the guys I played and watched, Dan Moreno, Jim Kelly, Joe Montano. And, you know, they can be in different orders at different times. The reason why is simply this, guys. The common thing you have in those dudes, they are steely-eyed and they are gamers. They don't care what the score is. You give them some time on the clock, they can get it done. Some way, somehow. Jim Kelly, he'll run around, fake pump through you, hit a guy, drop it in there on the dot. Dan Moreno, Again, played against him and practiced with him for three years. That dude can make any throw at any time with no movement in the pocket, slide this way, slide that way, dimes. Joe Montana, watch that dude against the other sideline, seven years with the Niners, and then another year when he was with KC, and that dude was the same. He didn't care what time, his chin strap kind of on sideways. He'd get down on that one knee, and he like, come on, guys. You looking at Joe Montana, let's go. Jared Goff and some of these quarterbacks who show glimpses of things, they don't have any of those tangibles. They're not steely-eyed. They don't have that passion. They don't really have players that get behind them. Right now, Jared Goff is riding a little bit of a wave. But you can't go in that locker room and tell me, guys, go, yeah, man, Jared can get it done. It don't matter. No, man. They know at the end of the day, if it really comes down to it, Jared is just not that guy. And Tommy, you hit it on the head. He's good, just not good enough. But those are my top three because of their intangibles. They don't care. They will cut your throat out with that ball. They don't care who it is. Give them, don't even, they don't need no receiver. I told you, Dan, when I first met him, his thing was he, him and Troy Vincent and Brian Cox were having a discussion. He simply said, if Dan is not throwing, we ain't going. And I go, man, this dude is a this dude is a trip until I got to practice. Until I'm going, yeah, that's a true statement. So that's my three, and that's my reasoning. At the end of the day, some of these guys, they don't have that tangible about them that they really can put a team on their back and let's go. No, I I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you two and three the next episode, uh, because I want to dive into that a little bit. I don't want to do yeah. it off the top of my head, but number yeah, yeah. one is Dan Marino for me. Number one is Dan Marino. And that, that was easy. One is easy for me. And it's always been number one. There's a reason why when growing up in Los Angeles in the nineties in Bellflower, California, I would go to school and get made fun of for wearing a Rams jersey when all I saw was Dan Marino jerseys in Southern California, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen, the bandwagon was real, yo. And that dude is number one. You ain't lying. I had a Marino jersey too. I had a Marino. There you go. <laughs> I had a Marino. Yeah, you go. I love the Rams. I wore my Rams jersey with pride, even though I made fun <laughs> of. But I'm in Ohio wearing Marino jerseys. Why I loved wearing jerseys. And I had a you know, Marino jersey. I had a Michael Irvin jersey. I love Michael Irvin. And I had a Barry Sanders jersey. Those are all, even though I was a Rams fan, I had other teams' jerseys because it wasn't about the teams for me. I loved those players as, as a kid. Yeah. So, yep. you know, I, when you said Mario jerseys, I, I knew exactly what you were getting at from in it. And I really kind of want to, I, I think this might be a series of podcasts for the Aussies and actually the, the greatest we ever saw in each position. 
but you know, and there's one omission from both of you that kind of stood out to me was, you know, talking, and especially since you played against him, like, and you didn't mention John Elway in there, even though John oh, Elway is on many, is on too. many mantles on the, on the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks. Elway's up there too now, because he, he was doing some running and throwing and he's a bigger dude than people. Think, That's why man. this is hard, dude. That's yeah, why this yeah. is hard. That's, That's right. why I Elway. need, I need a couple days to our yeah, next Elway's episode to give you two and three. I'm going to, I'm gonna go ahead and pull an executive decision on that. And so let's 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 do the Mount Rushmores and the offseason. We can actually talk about all these guys and all these positions because yeah. I really think that'd be a great debate for us to have. And then you know we when we talk about quarterbacks and guys you're afraid of, I don't think I think I agree. I don't think Jared Goff is ever a guy you're concerned with, and that's in a, in a lot of ways sad because we talked about when he was with the Rams in terms of what is he really great at. There are things that he is elite level at. If you're, if you're talking about over-the-shoulder, sideline throws, there aren't many better than him in the league. If you're, if you're talking about just some of those pure abilities, he's got them. It's the intangibles that hold him back. It's some of the fundamentals that he's never gotten over. Like, why does he flip out in the pocket? Why? Right. Why is he Sam so Bradford, quick? Sam Bradford was the mm-hmm. same way, dude. Hated yeah. the pressure. He would fold like a wet paper napkin, bro. Yeah, and you're talking about it was fear. God, why is he so quick to check down? Because he's got good receivers in Detroit. Why is he so quick to check down and, and let that be it? Another guy I hit, saw dude. check down yesterday as well was, um, who was it? Jeez, oh, please, it was, it was a, Oh, yeah, it was Geno Smith. I saw Geno Smith on a check down to Zach yeah. Charbonnet in the backfield. Like, dude, he, he, Charbonnet's getting tackled immediately on that. Why, why are some of these guys so quick to check down? And I remember them in the game for the Lions talking about this, talking about, well, you know, they're, they're, they haven't seen this from Goff before. And I'm starting to think, are you full of crap? Have you not watched <laughs> his career? Thus far, in the immediate answer for me, the way that McVeigh used to to try and work with him was they would roll Goff out, get him out of that pocket. If if he's having problems in the pocket, roll him out. And the Lions didn't do that yesterday. The the, the counter was to get him out of the pocket, get him to where he can throw outs, throw sideline stuff to Sam Laporta. I remember in 2019, do you remember this in 2019 when Tyler Higby looked like he was on the cusp is when they had to, roll Goff out, and he was just annihilating teams with that Higby combination. Higby getting 100 yards, like five games in a row, all off of that. That's how you get Higby, not Higby, uh, Goff away from that and away from the pressure, and it surprises him the Lions did none of that, because you have Sam Laporta, who is 10 times better than Higby will ever be. He's right there. And he's a rookie. (laughs) And he's a rookie. That's how you counter it. So, I is mean, Iowa tight end you? Jeez, man, it is. They, they and they're they, phenomenal. They're I like. There's a, there's two of them I like there right now. Okay, and that's because I'm already everywhere else. They can't. They don't have anybody, any other skill wise players. They, they're just tight ends, guys. We are probably in, in the course of our longest episode of the year at hour and twenty three minutes. I think it's time to say good night or good oh, day. Wow. Have a great Friday. We're getting ready to have our. First Black Friday football game. We're going to watch two and Mike McDaniel do their thing against the Jets. Um, any closing thoughts? I'm going to go to you, Mike, first. What's your closing thought today? 
Man, what a great show, man. I love you guys, man. Good stuff. Look forward to uh, watching some of these games. But, man, uh, yeah, we're going to see what these Rams do uh, against these uh, Cardinals, and we'll know pretty quick after that first quarter. Tommy? My, my closing thought is, and we'll get into it more on the next episode, I put out a tweet yesterday about, um, it, you know, saying if Ron Rivera ever got fired. I would love him to be the Rams DC. And it was no knock on Raheem as a coach. I think Raheem is eventually going to get maybe even as soon as this offseason a head coaching job. Um, and I was getting killed for saying that, saying that I was out of touch and that I didn't understand defensive concepts by every, by and every person that said this, mind you. And I did my homework because I asked them these questions was under 30 years old. And had less than 50 followers on their Twitter account. One dude had six and was trying to tell me what time it was. And I was like, bro, you've been on here for three years and only six people <laughs> care about what you have to say. Nobody cares about you. I have to say, shut up, kid. When I was 20 years old, he was 20, by the way. And I said, when I was 20, I was shutting my mouth and learning and listening. I'm 45. I started scouting when I was 20. You haven't done a damn thing in 20 years since you've been born and you're in here trying to tell me what time it is point being is the younger generation needs to learn and listen and be be more respectable to the older guys man we're out here trying to share knowledge with you and all you're you're doing is popping off being disrespectful to your elders on social media learn some from respect young man and just listen we have your back man we're trying to share this knowledge with you stop acting like you know it all when you don't know a damn thing yet okay just chill dudes be cool man that's what that's all I got, dudes. Well, okay. I lied. I have one more thing to ask you guys. This is my the closing thoughts. Ohio State, Michigan tomorrow. What's your call on it? Ohio State. Oh. Ohio okay. State. Oh. Even though Michigan's favorite? I don't care. Man, forget Jim Harbaugh with his cheating self. Come on Thank back you. to the NFL. Thank you. Come cheat in the NFL like the other guys are doing. Trust me, I still see it going on. You, you think I don't see it? Yo, come on, man. They always say if you don't cheat, you ain't trying. These guys are living that. Okay. All right, all right. Well, give me. I mean, I'm hearing, I'm hearing from you guys opinion based off of you just want Jim Harbaugh. Why do? Why does Ohio State win tomorrow? It's just time. Yeah, it's time. I can't dive into the game enough um, to give you that answer. But I'm. let's just say this, and I know you're an Ohio State fan. I'm just rooting for them to win. Fair enough. I'm going to be scouting film like I always do on these guys. But I'm rooting for Ohio State because I don't like cheaters. Okay. There you have it. I'm going to – my gut feeling is Michigan pulls it out. I, I they, the quarterback play for Ohio State's been uneven. Now, if this is next year, then I'm, I'm probably thinking differently. Another year behind under McCord's belt. But I'm leaving Michigan for that way if I'm being objective. But, of course, you know where I, my heart is. And uh, I just want to hear your thoughts on it. So, I'm with, with, all that said, with all that said, we'll be here Sunday night to break down the Cardinals and the Rams looking at a Looking at a, a interesting game for all of us. If the Rams win, they're still in it. I think if they lose at this point, they're probably going to be done. So for the team here, for the staff, 
Follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. Follow me at DC Paul. Follow Mike at 1Dude23. And follow Tommy at RamTommyNLA. We'll see you soon. We're out of here after this mega episode of Rams Talk Radio. See ya. Adi. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.